0: You're listening to Got Tech the Podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech the podcast this is episode 129 called chat gpt and two free tools that identify ai written text in this episode we'll share our take on chat gpt and other ai apps that can write and think for you we'll also share two ed tech tools that help teachers identify when text has been ai generated this is another episode you don't want to miss check it out
1: So we're back, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm fired up. I'm really fired up about this one because I, I see a lot of fear, a lot of panic about the topic that we're talking about today. And uh, I just want everyone to take a deep breath, calm down a little bit, and understand that this isn't the first time that we've seen a new piece of technology that's that could shake or rock the educational world but a little bit more on that a little bit later. Let's talk about some of the updates that we have coming up. These are both in the distant future. The first one's NJECC conference is March 7th. Uh, Tuesday's in person. Wednesday is remote. Uh, it's a great way to get some quality professional development. We will be doing two sessions this year. We'll be doing our EdTech Throwdown, and then we are going to Combine forces with another podcaster, Chris Nessie, and do a students as content creators uh, session that should be pretty good. We're just going to do like a five-minute overview of how we're involved in this type of process within our school. And then after that, it's going to be more of a QA and a question panel like session. So that is our first update.
0: Yeah, uh, we're excited about that. It's um, one of our favorite conferences. Um, you know, ISTE is also coming up uh, back to Philadelphia this year. I mean, of course, they run the uh, the conference every year, but I think it's every three or four they, they come back to Philly. And that is this year, 2023. So of course, we're going to be there. We have a presentation. I believe we're doing our throwdown at ISTE. Is that correct?
1: We're going to do our throwdown. This one will be well, every throwdown that we do is different, right? Uh, but this one, we're going to try to uh, you know stretch the boundaries a little bit and get uh, really deep into what we're trying to accomplish there. And I believe that one is uh, UDL based, so Universal Design for Learning, uh, or student centered, but they kind of overlap. It's all under that big canopy of blended learning and personalized learning so we'll be doing that on monday we'll get you uh more specific details closer to the time but uh any other updates
0: that that i'm missing um no i think the only other thing i wanted to say about it is uh you know these are if you're in the greater jersey pennsylvania delaware maryland even maybe even uh, new york city area um you got to check both these conferences out for sure uh, the NJECC is a, is a little uh, lesser known, a little more local to you know the New Jersey area, but it's just such a great conference. Uh, they have tons of stuff, and there's a lot of really talented people there. Uh, As well as a lot of EdTech tools being represented that you can sort of go talk to and and see what's out there. ISTE does not need us to say that because they're one of the premier EdTech conferences of the the United States, I would say. I mean, is that overstating it or not? No, that's fair. It travels around the United States and
1: a lot of people get really hyped up that and FET. I'd like to go to FET down in Florida once, uh, you know, in, in the near future. I think that's actually this weekend. Okay. Or this week. I see a lot of tweets of people saying that they're headed to FET. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of that. I like to follow along and kind of Twitter troll people as they share their experiences <laughs> there. So I could feel like I was actually there. But... Yeah, that one's a little far for us, and it's a it's a little bit tougher of a sell than when uh, ISTE rolls into Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, but my you know my point is check both of these things out. They're excellent conferences. Whether or not you stop in to see, you know, the Got Tech team, that's that's cool with us. We'd like to see everybody there, but there's just tons to be learned from stuff like this. So check them out, and I think that does wrap up uh, most of our updates, unless you've got anything else. <laughs> no, that's
1: it. But if you know that you're going to the NJECC conference, or ISD, reach out to us on Twitter. We'd love to meet up with you, um, have a chat while we're at the conference.
0: This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network.
1: Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, let's get into the, the nuts and bolts of the episode. And over the last month and a half, two months, uh, especially if you're listening to podcasts in the ed tech or education sector, you're definitely hearing a lot of chat GPT. I hear a lot of good, I hear a lot of bad, and I hear a lot of just anxiousness. And this is something where you know, it's just blowing my mind that I understand the anxiousness. I understand that this gives students another tool to, I don't know, do their work for them. But I mean, we have been in this realm of let's catch the cheater for a long time, I feel. And to be honest with you, I like to look at Chet GPT and, and think about all the ways that it could be useful in education. I just wanna, I'm gonna do like a, I don't know, a minute rant here because I'm fired up about it, because I'm super excited for it. I'm ready to go. Yeah, go ahead. I know you want to say something before I uh, <laughs> I uh, burst at the seams here.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to let you cool off for a little bit and, and, and back up. I mean, chat GPT is interesting because it has spread beyond the boundaries of the ed tech world, right? I had teachers coming up to me asking if I had heard of this who are not interested in educational technology at all. This, you know, in the the end of 2022, the beginning of 2023, people were talking about ChatGPT. So chances are you've heard of it. If you have not, essentially what it is, it's, it's, a, it's an AI. It's an open AI. That's also the company that put it together. But it's an artificial intelligence engine. It's a technically, they call themselves a large language model. And I don't know enough about AI to explain to you guys what that is but it just uses a ridiculously massive amount of information that's stored online to generate responses and this type of thing has been around for quite a while now we've done full episodes on ai and different things different tools like this but chat gpt got everyone talking because of how complex its responses are and how seemingly lifelike its responses are Um, in particular in creating writing so this is all for people that might somehow not be familiar with what this thing is you could ask it a really simple question like who was the president in 1950 and it'll obviously just spit out the answer but you can also ask it really complex things if you're a student you could type in an essay prompt that has been given to you by a teacher and chat gpt will write an essay that sounds pretty pretty good um and actually some would say it sounds beyond pretty good it's uh unique it's an original work if you run it through like a you know a turnitin.com at least as of as of we're recording this turnitin.com is not going to recognize it as other writing because it is unique it is not stealing these words, it is crafting them itself, or ChatGPT is writing it. So, of course, you know, all kinds of stuff was flurrying online, like, you know, is ChatGPT ending the high school English class? And that's kind of, I think that's where your rant comes in, right? Because we have some specific opinions on this issue.
1: Yeah, thank you for introducing uh, ChatGPT. GPT, I got ahead of myself there, but we're going to funnel it back in. But Nick,
0: how do you think people felt? How do you think teachers felt when computers were
1: first generated?
0: Yeah, so like I remember being actually in fifth grade when our our school got its first like round of computers. And, um, you know, the kids were all excited because there's a thing in the back of the room that at the end of class we could go sit and like play games on and stuff. But Teachers were stressed out, man. They thought it was, uh, you know, the end of the game. They thought uh, education was, uh, was winding down. And, and with this machine that did all the thinking, and, and you can't see me, but I'm, I'm air quoting, this machine that did all the thinking for you, what else was a teacher supposed to do? Yeah, it was supposed to,
1: one, take over the, the educator's role. And I mean, when else have we seen something come in that is taking over the education role? How about going from a lecture-based, you know, traditional classroom setting to a student-centered teachers kind of as just the supporting guide on the side? I mean, same thing. How about calculators? I mean, oh my goodness, it's going to do math for the kids. They're not going to have to think on their own. Uh, but we got around that. Hey, leave your calculators in your book bag. Uh, the internet, when the internet came out, oh, they don't need to do research anymore. And you know, it's almost like we go straight to panic mode. I mean, I could think about some other ones like work cited generators. Uh, I remember walking down the hallways when I first started teaching, maybe this is dating me a little bit. And some of the English teachers are going up. You need a period there. You need italics there. You need underlined here and a semi and a colon. You need a colon. So we get all this, and then all of a sudden the works cited machine, uh, the generator comes out, and you don't hear those lessons anymore. That doesn't mean that those English teachers aren't teaching. It just means they're teaching different. We're advancing, all right. So why use something uh, so robust, so like? I mean, this, it's such a delicate process to write a work cited. So if you have a machine that could do that for you, that's great. It gives you more time to teach other things, to advance the learning. Wikipedia was another one. Photo math. Google Translate. I mean, I could probably keep going, but I'm not going to in, in the essence of time. But what I'm saying here is, yeah, we have artificial intelligence that's able to write a paper. But you know what? As soon as we got the Internet and as soon as research was able to be done and as soon as we were able to copy and paste, what happened? A tool was developed to check for plagiarism. A tool was to develop to check for grammar and punctuation and make things easier, not only for the student, but for the teacher proofreading it. I remember when Spellcheck first came out, the teachers kept it hush-hush because they didn't want students to do that. Uh, they, they wanted them to, you know, come up with their own mistakes and stuff like that. And it would be an easy tool for them to use to provide feedback. That's great. But me personally, if a student can see an exemplar, uh, you know, something that is great. All right. So if we use an AI tool to restructure a sentence, well, they're same. You know, malformed sentence is now going to be restructured. They're going to read it, and they're going to read it, and they're going to read it over and over again until there something clicks, and oh, I should write it this way, and that's a good thing. So, um, let's just get into ChatGPT and break it down, kind of the pros and cons.
0: Let's. Uh, make, can we? Can I? I'm going to add one thing before we before we do that, because you know, during your rant, I was thinking about all the different. You know, connections to this that I've had. Um, you mentioned spell check, right? And I remember that too. My teachers in elementary school in, encouraging us or telling us not to use spell check or trying to get it turned off because that was going to be like the end of, of learning, right? If, if the computer checked your spelling. I don't know how you feel, but I think I'm a better speller because of spell check, because I get to these like constant reminders as I type. Like, no, that's not how you spell, you know, I used to mix up the different theirs all the time, right? I guess that's more of a grammar thing, but you get the idea. I no longer make that mistake because it's constantly being checked for me. It's more work for me to have to go back and, you know, change it when I do it wrong. So I was incentivized to learn it and fix it and I no longer make those spelling mistakes. So it's, a, it's, you know, this is just human nature. I'm not knocking anybody, but like you said at the beginning, It's just a little bit alarmist to see this as the end of things. Even in the chemistry world, I had a a teacher come up to me and say, um, you know, this is how I found out about GPT, but it was a colleague who came up and said, do you know there's this this AI thing that like answers any question for you in detail? And I was like, oh, cool. Um, And they said, not cool. You can even ask it chemistry questions. Uh, And this example that this teacher gave was, you know, you could go up and ask it uh, how do you how do you write or how do you draw the Lewis structure for a molecule and chat GPT for a little bit and it types out like detailed instructions on how to write Lewis structures for molecules and I checked it they're good they're really good they're a lot of the same instructions I'd give for how to do it but I was like well that's awesome right this is like a place for students to go to ask that question and and get help that from you know, my initial look at it, seemed pretty good. I was like, this is a fantastic thing. Right. That supports what I'm doing in the classroom.
1: Yeah, it, it's fantastic. We no longer as teachers need to make answer keys. Now, I will say that ChatGPT does get things wrong. So yes. every once in a while, you need to go look, especially with current information. Because the way that I think of it running is they do like almost like they'll take a data set from 2022 and that's what everything is generated by yeah. that that picture of that data set all right so now we're in 2023 so anything in 2023 it doesn't have any recollection of and that can make some things seem out of out of date but at the same time it shows kids how to do a problem it shows them how to work through stuff It's almost like an assistant in your classroom, yeah. And that is fantastic. You know how many times that we've handed out a worksheet. Sometimes we had the answer key made up. Sometimes we didn't, and we did it. uh, You know, as the students were working, we would we would try to work through a problem or two, get the answer key, and then we put it on our class website. Well, now we don't really need to do that as long as, or we can do that, but just used AI for that process. My thing here is this may not be a bad thing. I know a lot of people don't want students to be on Chromebooks or devices at all times. The thing is, is what I teach is that, hey, yeah, you're going to have all these different places that you could get the answers. You can copy it from a friend. You can go online and find someone else that might have similar problems that shared them online and things. But when it comes to the test, it's you in that test. You do not have the AI help. You do not have your friend's brain. You aren't going to be able to cheat very easily, if at all. Right. So if you don't go and put in the work, you're going to get out of it what exactly you put into it. So, I mean, to be able to get instant feedback like this using this tool is amazing. So in this little talk right here, we did identify some negative uses in education Um, for ChatGPT, or these are the things that we hear. All right, essays obviously can be written for students. It disrupts the creative process. I've heard that one many times. I already said that things can be out of date, especially if it's running off of a data scan from like 2021 or 2022. Everyone now and again, you could get incorrect information, but we also have to worry about bias. Is it smart enough to handle bias? Or to write something in a neutral way, or if you want it to be persuasive, is it smart enough to do that? And that, those are some areas that you know we will have to see as we go. But you know, there are a lot of positive use cases in education. I think this gives us a great opportunity to bring pen and paper back for our assessments. Uh, this gives us a reason to do that. Uh, it will help with pre-writing and brainstorming i mean think about hey, ask the question uh give me 15 topics on environmental human impacts in the environment something like that environmental impacts uh, caused by humans we can do that we could ask gpt to come up with lists or instructions to topics where students can research beyond the ai uh so I see AI as being very cookie cutter. When you look at it and you read it, it is very broad, very vague. Well, okay, have the students go in and add more detail. Or make, if, if AI is writing the, the plot or a story, have the students go in and fill in the details a little bit. You got the summary, now Now go in and you know, fill in the minutia that's really going to hammer this story home those types of things you can gamify your classroom think about it we play two truths and a not truth i don't think i'm allowed to say the other word but whatever <laughs> we play two truths and a not truth um and now it becomes two of my and one of i ai so i write I've, i take two student written prompts and i take an ai written prompt and and we try to identify which one's which play game out of it uh It could also generate uh, different prompts or tasks. So if we wanted to do like a minute to win it, we could put in, give me 10 minute to win it ideas involving education, see what it comes up with and go from there. So positive and negative use cases. But we also have other AI that we've been talking about for years, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of things out here that do this type of stuff. I mean, we talk a lot about on this show WordTune. Uh, WordTune is the website or extension that rewrites your text for you. So if you've got a sentence, it doesn't sound quite quite right. WordTune will fix it. Grammarly does all kinds of similar stuff. Um, and you know, you you could have taken these this same approach with with these tools, but I I think what we're trying to say here to kind of wrap up all this is this is the world that we're going to be living in I don't I don't think you can fight AI I think that's just it's going to be out there and chat GPT is just the first really good one that made people step back and say like well this is crazy we even have to rethink some stuff absolutely there's negatives and we don't want to you know we don't want to poo poo all the, the worries that teachers are having because that's legitimate stuff. You know, a kid totally can get an an essay written and turn it in and probably get away with that. But because this is part of the world and all these other AI apps that are out there and the new ones that are gonna be coming up soon, it's just way better to focus on those positives and, and teach your kids about it and let you know tell them, yes, this is there, sure you could use it keep in mind on your assessments for this class you will not be able to so what are you doing for yourself if you are writing all your essays with chat gpt bring back pen and paper like you said and you know something else i that is worth mentioning here as a teacher besides just you know as we're talking about it's kind of funny we're talking about Teaching our kids about not using it to do the thinking for you, but one of our ideas was let Chat GPT do the thinking for you in the generation of prompts. It's totally fine if you can't think of enough, you know, prompt questions for your kids. Go there and let Chat GPT help you get the creative process going. You might even find it makes you more creative because it spurs your thinking in some different avenues. Um, Another thing that it's going to do for you is it's it's going to challenge you to have better prompts. And this is I'm stealing this from a Forbes article that I read to prep for today's show. But um, you know the author of this article did uh, two tests with ChatGPT. One of them was um, uh, he asked ChatGPT to write an essay that compared the Heart of Darkness to Huck Finn. And ChatGPT did what it does, and it wrote an essay. Um, then he asked it again to compare *The Heart of Darkness* to *Moby Dick*. Very similar prompts, and the two responses, the two essays that it generated, while different and unique, were also very similar. Uh, and the author's point was, um, you know, while these works were were fine. They weren't great. You're, you're not getting fantastic writing out of these things. He said that even, uh, you know, both of the essays had a, almost like a template was used to write them. Um, something like uh, the first sentence of the paragraphs in both was Work A and Work B have many similarities and many differences. And this guy's point was that, like, as a teacher, you would probably want to teach your students, like, That's not a very good opening sentence. That's not an opening sentence that a a human being should be writing to fully engage the audience. So, um, and he goes further and says that it's a good tester for your own prompts. Um, If you think that you have, as a teacher, a good writing prompt, you can test it out with ChatGPT. And, you know, his point was, if ChatGPT can write an essay for your prompt, you need a better prompt because it's not challenging enough. He says the goals of teacher should now be to write prompts that are engaging enough and complex enough that ChatGPT cannot come up with a good essay to them. So um, basically, let's ask more complex things that inspire creativity that only a human can do um, rather than just like a compare X to Y type thing. So that's just another good angle in ways that it can actually improve the the teaching work that you're doing.
1: Yeah, uh, another example of pretty good content that I've seen over the last couple days, uh, one of our our buddies, our podcast buddies, uh, Tim Cavey uh, from Teachers on Fire, uh, came out with a video. I think it's pretty much on every social. I think I've seen it. And I, I watched it. And it was a very, very well done video. But the thing that I really liked about it is he. I think he did somewhere around 12. I could be wrong on the number usage cases in education. And he literally did an example of teacher himself as a teacher writing a lesson plan, using uh, ChatGPT to write a lesson plan. And as he was reading what ChatGPT was doing... He would make changes. So instead of doing a infographic, change it to a presentation. So it would change the requirements to a presentation. Now, come up with a grading rubric for that presentation. And then there's a grading rubric that is generated. Change this part of the grading rubric in the presentation, and it would change it. So that's pretty cool on a teacher's side. That's cool. We get to use it like that. So make sure that you check out Tim Cavey's uh, video. Uh, We'll put both the Forbes article link and Tim's um, video link in the show notes uh, as well. But now comes the portion of the episode where we get to say, "Okay, GPT chat is here or chat GPT. I keep getting them backwards. I don't know what's going (laughs) on. here. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. All right. But I'm going to we're going to ease your pain a little bit ease your worry, hopefully decrease the anxiousness. Because just as I mentioned earlier, when we got the internet where we could copy and paste from Wiki, all right, we had a plagiarism checker developed. Well, guess what? There's already AI checkers out there. So we, we have two tools that we're going to share that are free right now uh, that basically will, you could copy and paste or put a PDF file in, uh, of someone's work. And it will tell you whether or not it is AI, uh, generated or person generated and the likelihood of that using statistics and certain scores. All right. So the first one is called GPT zero. And what we did is we put two text reports in there. I did not link the text, uh, to this Uh, Episode because they are works of students and I want to kind of stay away from that. But I will tell you that one, I just copied and pasted from Wiki and the other one, I took text from a student. What I did is I I pasted the results into the show notes. Uh, The first one said that uh, they get a GPT zero score, which is based on perplexity of sentences. So the lower the number the more likely the text is uh, AI-generated. And the first one got a score of 118.73. And it basically says uh, your text is likely human-generated. Where our text report 2, um, GPT0 score was a 2414 and it says that your text is most likely to be AI generated. Now, I will tell you uh, that this is great because uh, we can pretty much identify which ones are AI generated, but you still have to have a conversation because it's not 100% foolproof, but more than likely if you have a conversation with the student and just be like, hey, I ran it through AI, this is what we got. Is there anything you... You want to tell me?
0: Well, it's the same as if, you know, even, um, you know, uh, what are the, like, a turnitin.com, it doesn't tell you for sure that something has been copy pasted. It gives you a percentage, right? It says, you know, 30% of this paper matches things sound online. So, it's it's really no different you just are using it as like you said a a jumping off point to start a conversation if you do get a score that's you know that is really low or really high you you could use that as a Or you might have some kind of a threshold for yourself you know this is something that maybe your your departments or your school districts are going to have to incorporate into policy now like what is the what's the score that we will accept as being considered human generated. So at least then it takes it out of your hands as the teacher, you could just tell the students like, you know, if your, if your writing has a score below this or over this using GPT zero or whatever it is, uh, I'm sorry, then that's not gonna be accepted. You'll have to do it again or receive a zero or whatever, whatever however you guys wanna handle that. But the point is, if you're very worried about things like ChatGPT, you got to remember that it's a human created tool, you know, we made it. And because we made it, it works on a set of rules to generate these responses that we made. So that means we can also make other tools to control it and know when it is being used. So, you know, and if you're, you know, if you're like a turn it in user, let's just say it's probably the most common uh, tool, I can almost guarantee you right now, the engineers at turnitin.com are working on a way to incorporate an AI checker into their into their interface. I don't know that for sure, but they gotta be doing it.
1: It, it seems like yeah. a likely next step for them, but right. uh, just to clarify things, Nick was saying, we made it as in the human race, not, yeah, not we <laughs> as in Nick <laughs> and I.
0: Tech- I wish though. So.
1: that'd be, that'd All be right. awesome. So I made a video Uh, on GPT-0 and I walk everyone through this video uh, using ChatGPT, how to use that, and then I took that generated text and I put it into GPT-0 and showed you how to get the score and read the score. And I posted that on uh, our YouTube channel, which I'll put in the show notes. But the reason why I'm telling you this isn't because I wanted you to know that, even though I do want you to know that. It's because (laughs) that generated a little bit of buzz and I got almost immediately, I got a couple people commenting on it that that it was, you know, they're happy to hear that and things like that. But I also got one uh, person who made uh, another AI uh, checker uh, responded to me and said, hey, uh, I, I made this one. Will you give it a look? So, you know, I love when we get these types of requests and things like that because I feel like I'm checking out like something that's, you know, groundbreaking and it's awesome. And I will tell you that this tool I was very impressed with. The uh, GPT-0 is an awesome tool in itself. It looks like a little outdated um, platform. It does amazing things. Don't get me wrong. But... I feel like the next one, which is CheckForAI.com, kind of looks a little newer. It's a lot. It's a little easier and not as robust. It's uh, super user friendly. So basically, for this one, the reason why I like it is you could take a class set. So if every student turned in a PDF of their their work, okay. So if it's a PDF. Um, I haven't tried to see if Google Docs or Word doc would work, but I know a PDF does. If you put all those into a folder, you highlight them all and drag them into this program, it will run the AI checker for each one and give you a risk score. Low risk means very low risk that AI generated it. Medium, medium risk. High, it's pretty much AI generated. All right, so I I wrote this person back, and uh, I said that I I love the tool. The interface is is awesome. It's super easy to use and stuff like that. But I gave the feedback that, you know, teachers are data-driven. And even though there is a very high-risk, medium-risk, low-risk there, I would love to know how he actually like how those uh, scores or titles are given to the, to the paper. So when I have a conversation with a student or parent, you know, I could, I could tell them something a little more than I just put the paper in and, and the, uh, the score was generated. And what was awesome, once again, within like an hour, I mean, it probably wasn't even an hour, he comes back and he explains how risk scores is based on word frequencies, um, AI produces more standardized output. I mean, this stuff, I want to thank him so much for dumbing this down for me, because I know that, you know, behind this very easily understood paragraphs, there are very complex things going on. But basically, uh, he explained how the risk score was calculated and what low risk versus high risk, medium risk is, uh, what it means. And how AI detection is used. And, you know, he seemed very receptive to my feedback because he said, uh, I will look into adding these explanations and more data on the results and a feature update. So, to me, this is a tool that I'm super interested in because, one, super responsive, super responsive to suggestions, questions, and also super receptive in maybe including something in the future. So for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the edge out to uh checkforai.com, even though the other one is uh created by someone that is within twenty miles of us uh, at Princeton. So I think uh I'm going to lean on checkforai.com. That's probably going to be the one that I recommend the most. But that's not taking away anything from GPT zero because I think they both do an amazing job. And uh, so hopefully this kind of you know eases the tension a little bit between teachers and ChatGPT. GPT. Yeah, yeah.
0: And the, and the point of all this is like, does Chat GPT and whatever comes after it does that change education? Absolutely. Are there negatives? Yes, but we have ways—very uh, viable, uh, viable, easy to use ways—to combat those negatives. Are there positives? Absolutely. I think this can, you know, be used as a tool to make your own teaching prompts better, to make students more aware, maybe even make students better writers. Um, I think you mentioned this earlier, but I, I can't remember for sure. I, so I'm going to, re- you know, risk repeating it and just say. You know, make sure make sure to talk to your classes. Make talk to your students about this tool. Make sure they know that you know about it. Um, Make sure that they know that the works that ChatGPT produces. You know, you mentioned bias. Besides the fact that they can be produced biased responses, it can produce wrong responses. Just because a computer made it doesn't mean it's correct. There's often you know, errors in the information, in the, in the work that these things put out. And, um, and kids need to know that. People need to know that it's not perfect. And in the long run, it's probably gonna, it's not probably, it's definitely not worth their while to use this. I also wanted to just say that, you know, um, there's been, I think, more common than these AI uh, writing generators are, AI art generators. We've talked about several on the show before. Um, OpenAI, the company that made ChatGPT, has one of the best ones as well called DALL-E. Now it's DALL-E2 where you can type in prompts and it creates art, right? The computer generates this artwork. And, um, you know, does that, does the existence of that take away from a human artist's work? And I say absolutely not and maybe the two can even live in harmony together and i think we just have to you know learn how to how to do that
1: well it gives me a chance (laughs) that's that's what that one does it gives me a chance to uh if if you ever have taken an art class in college which i have for two weeks
0: oh oh yeah that's right two weeks
1: two weeks of an (laughs) art course my teacher is just like uh you're not at the level in which we need you at. And I go, lay it on me. How bad am I? And she goes, I, I've seen first grade work better than what you do. I was like, that's fair. I think I got out of that and went into intro to theater, and uh, which was an improv class, which was probably one of the best decisions of my college career. But what I'm saying is is there are ways that all these AI tools can be used in a safe way in education, it can enhance learning, it can increase engagement, and I think that's what we're we're after. If If students are interested in what they're doing, they're not gonna do the, you know, they're not gonna turn in the report that is AI generated. They're gonna be engaged in it and they're gonna make their own thing, so. That just wraps up this episode. Please make sure if you find value in this content that you tell other teachers about us. Uh, if you are going to any of the conferences, please reach out and let us know. Let us know how you're using AI in your classroom or maybe some of the concerns that you have with AI. You can follow us over at Twitter at WeGotTeched, Nick at NickGotTeched and me at Got Teched. You could follow our Facebook uh, page and you could also go over to YouTube and check out some of our videos we just got done with the 12 days of ed Tech. those are getting some uh, positive feedback on those it's just uh, 12 very short videos that allow you to pick up new skills as teachers and learn about new ed Tech tools and things like that and finally go over to www dot gottech.com and check out all our other blog posts and all our other comment your content and templates that we have to offer